Welcome to Screen Share, a movie podcast about having a rug that ties the room together. I'm called Aramis Wood. I don't got a single rug in my home. I'm Adam Cook. What happened to all of them? You used to have them when we lived together. Yeah, but they were like not good. Like one of them was like a shag rug that always, it was impossible to clean. The other one was just kind of... Well, you just got to get in there with like a fine tooth comb. Also, Olivia just didn't really like any of the rugs I had. And there's not much of a place to... Like, I guess we could put one in front of the couch, but like... Then I'll let you know it. that the living room does lack a lot of coziness. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. Uh, t- this week we're talking about Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. The one and only Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Came yeah. out in 1998. The third oldest movie we've done this week. This week? Yes. You mean or, no, this, this month. month. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Ah, shit, they know what's happening now. <laughs> we ah, mentioned multiple fuck. times. Ah. What do you think of The Big Lebowski? I liked it a lot. I didn't know anything about this movie other than the dude. Mm-hmm. And the, where's the money, Lebowski? <laughs> where's the fucking money, shithead? That's good. Thanks. Because of TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. But like, other than those things, all I really knew about was... The dude. Just that the dude is the dude. Uh, Did you even know it was like a crime thing? No, I had nothing. I had no idea what nice. it was about at all. So you're um, on like a real roller coaster. Yeah. So first impressions. I really liked it a lot. I thought it was an absolute blast. Yeah. Like, okay, absolute blast. It wasn't like really exciting. No. It's a lot of like nothing happens, nothing happens. And then something happens very sh- like short for a short amount of time mm-hmm. and then it's back to nothing yeah uh but like i don't know it's just really enjoyable mm-hmm. like it feels like similar to how shiva baby was like really stressful and like high uh octane? Exci- high o- i don't know if high octane is but like like, it, it's, like, the same thing as Shiva Baby and Whiplash, where, like, not a lot's happening, but it's very, like, uh, stressful. There's a lot of momentum? Like, yeah. Sure. Um, whereas you found this, this movie stress? Oh, okay. It felt like a lot was happening, mm-hmm. but, like, I wasn't really, like... Worried about him at <laughs> Worried all. about it at yeah. any point, because the, the dude is just kind of, like, coasting through. Yeah, the only very times worried that, about it. Yeah, the only times that I felt, like, stressed out were when the dude was angry because Walter did some stupid thing <laughs> that was just completely brain-dead and dumb. Walter's a good guy. He's a good character. He's a great character, not a good guy, I don't think. So let's talk about the dude Anybody. a little bit. So, since the release of this film... Well, we should we should quickly say, uh, Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, and then also Steve Buscemi. But he's yeah. like he's like, and then you've got Peter Stormare also in the movie. Julianne Moore, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in the movie. Dominic Toretto, sorry, John Turturro. Did you do that on purpose? E- no. <sighs> <sighs> He's kicking me. He's doing big wind-up kicks and kicking me in the leg. Ow. 
I'm writing that. I'm taking that out of your pay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think the cast is really good, really fun. Uh, but yeah, I think that Jeff Bridges really, really runs the oh, show here. He's, he's like, I think almost everyone in the movie is like nearly perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. I think the Julianne Moore character is like good, but a little strange with sure. the accent. Sure. And also, like, Julian Moore is such a specific-looking person. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like, everyone is great in the movie and plays the mm-hmm. character really well. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's, like... Oh, I completely forgot. Philip Seymour Hoffman might be my favorite character in the movie. Yeah, he's, like... It's hard to beat the dude, but, like... <laughs> what's his name, Brant? I don't even fucking know. But I, I just love the way he's, like... He's such a good actor, man. He's so good. He's in so many good movies. He's so good in all the movies. Ugh. He just seems so like uncomfortable while also being very earnest throughout but, the whole movie. Like when he, <laughs> when I made you rewind it, and I was like, "Look at how he hands him the paper and then just stands there and like freezes." <laughs> yeah, like he an stands NPC. there like a child pretending to be a soldier. He hands the dude like a note and then spreads his fingers out all the way and keeps his arms like kind of cocked while he's standing there and then and then later when the dude is like in the car yeah, talking and to he's Brant like and making Mr. a face Lebowski. yeah he's like it looks his, like he's about to burst into tears his mouth is huge but his lips are tiny but yeah. also like his lips are like he's got he's he's his like middle lips are quite large but, I don't like, even know how he's doing that I think it's just his his mouth I think he just has, like, big middle of his lips, but then, like, uh, the sides of his like lips. Like this? I mean, you're just puckering your lips. It's not quite that. Uh, I guess I'll never be the Philip Seymour and Hoffman. So, you might be surprised to know that this movie was not very well received. It was mixed. Really? It wasn't like it was absolutely tanked. I, honestly, I could see a scenario where, like, I could have guessed that this was, like, a cult classic. Oh, it is. It's like the yeah. cult classic. Yeah. Um, and it's because the Coens made Fargo, like that was the movie they made the year before, and they got like huge Oscar buzz. It was nominated for Best Picture. They were nominated for Best Director. They won Best Screenplay. They yeah. had like Francis McDormand in it, and it was like also a bit of a crime plot. Steve Buscemi's in it. Uh, and then people saw this, and they were like, oh, this is kind of like a silly thing that's happening also you think i need to bump it up a little bit maybe a little bit so in fargo yeah that makes that's a little that looks better maybe just then move the mic like a centimeter yeah like yeah like right there um that'll also help with the breathing sorry so Big Lebowski compared to Fargo is like a much less serious movie. It's not very yeah. serious at all, uh, which kind of is the reason why that it got panned because people were like, ah, this isn't like the last thing that you gave us that yeah. was so good and everyone loved. You have um, jokes in this? Yeah. and It's not like Fargo's unfunny, but it's a lot more like serious and dour. Yeah. This but whole, also this whole thing movie. is goofy. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, yeah. And this is like a lot more slapsticky as well. And mm-hmm. like the Coens have done that before, and I think they even had before making this movie. Mm-hmm. But like Fargo was their big thing. 
yeah. even though they've made like a couple movies before that were also quite good. Uh, and this is their fourth. This one was their fourth uh, collaboration with Roger Deakins. Roger. They went on to make. They Roger, have made Roger. twelve mi- movies with him so far. I don't know if they'll make another one with him because the Coens are kind of like their career's weird. But we can talk about that later. Sure. Uh, out of this movie. Dudism as like a sort of pseudo religion has spawned. Oh really? Yeah, which is basically following the. Or isn't it Judaism? Because no, it's, it's like du- spelled like Judaism. It might be Judaism. I wrote Dudism. Well, I think it's probably. I think it's spelled like that. Wait, did you do D U D ism or do D U D E ism? E ism. Then yeah, that's spelled the same way as Judaism. I think. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> it doesn't matter. Quite doesn't it? That would. Promotes the modern, promotes modern Taoism, 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 Taoism. Uh, and the teachings of Epicurus. And they have 450,000 ordained, I think it's priests, not, not priests, because that's a special thing. Oh yeah, dude is priests nice. in the church of Latter-day Dude. Nice. Are you going to join? Latter-day Dude? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's debatable. I mean, I kind of love the dude's world view. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, first of all, I don't know how much how he's got the money to survive, like to live. I mean, I guess they like hint that he's not paying his rent, so maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't have the money. No, he doesn't at all. But like, and he's writing a sixty-eight dollar check to the grocery store. Yeah, for some milk. Yeah, or no, a sixty-eight cent check. Oh yeah, sorry, cent check. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but like i don't know obviously he's not he he's not like uh well off right now in the mm-hmm. movie but like i really like especially at the end of the movie how he's just like i don't know it's throughout the whole movie but especially at the end after he talks to sam elliott for the last time mm-hmm. he's just like i don't know i'm like doing okay i'm just like living after, yeah I'm just doing, like, I like bowling and hanging mm-hmm. out, so that's what I'm doing. And it seems like a little callous, because that's after Donnie died, and he's still wearing the same outfit that they scattered Donnie's ashes in. Yeah. So you're like, is he just getting over it that quickly? Which kind of, like, what this movie is kind of, people have realized it's about since it came out, is it's kind of like a reaction, like the male reaction to Vietnam. Where the dude kind of goes the other way and like disassociates and Walter goes the other way and he's like aggressive. That's like yeah. become his thing. That's his personality. Um, and I think it's a pretty good way at showing like two ways men can be. Yeah. Where it's either like sort of completely detached from the world and uninterested because like some shit's gone wrong. Or like you saw like something happen to you and people take that as like... Uh, he's like a chill dude, like he's a hippie, doesn't care. When it's like he yeah. does deeply care about things, but at this point he's like 40 and he doesn't know how to show it anymore. Yeah. Or you would like become a radicalize psycho. yourself. Yeah. And you just become like... <laughs> like he, There's so many moments where it's just the three of them hanging out and Donnie and the dude are just like not speaking and it's just Walter rambling about nothing and there's only one moment like near the end when the dude's just like what the fuck are you talking about 
Like, nobody knows what you're talking about or cares. I don't even think you care. <laughs> he just doesn't really have anything. He brought a so. fucking Uzi to the drop and, like, yeah. he's like rolling out of the car at 15 miles per hour like he's still in a war zone. Like Here's the thing. I hated it because it, like, made me upset. But I also loved that, like, Walter wants to do all these movie things. <laughs> But then they just don't work in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when he was like, okay, this is what the plan is. I was like, oh, no, the movie's <laughs> going to be them, like, doing this plan and it, like, kind of working. But there's bumps along the way and then eventually it works out. But mm-hmm. no, it just completely fails. Yeah, every time Walter has a plan, it doesn't work. No. What and it I- often ends up, like, negatively, like, massively negatively affecting those around him. Yeah. Like... Like, uh, the dude's car gets absolutely wrecked. He, mm-hmm. like, becomes super stressed and paranoid that, like, this woman's gonna get killed. Mm-hmm. Then later, Walter <laughs> interacting with the... The child? The nihilist. Oh, yeah. Uh, causes Donnie, Donnie to, to have it. a heart attack yeah. and die. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, yeah. he does seem sad when he's spreading... Uh, Donnie's ashes, but for yeah. the most part, he's just talking about random shit that, like, he's giving him relate. like a warrior's funeral where you're like, he's like talking about like things that aren't just Donnie. He's just like yeah. making things up about Donnie, kind of, because he doesn't know Donnie at all. Because he tells him to shut the fuck up every time he talks. Yeah, and then also trying to like honor him in some fake way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, what the fuck's going on with these things, man? You're just mumbling. I've never mumbled in my life. Look, look at how loud that is. Hold on. Let's get wet. Let's get wet. Actually, let's take a wet break. Hot damn hot water, hot shower. (sighs) Hot land of smoking green cauliflower. Mm. We're wet now. (sighs) But yeah, he, I don't know, Walter's just like kind of batshit insane, mm-hmm. and it, he, he just seems like also very disingenuous the whole time. Yeah. Like he doesn't really have anyone's best interest in mind. Not even his own. Not even his own. Yeah. I mean, like, the only way you could say he has his own interest in, in mind is because his own interest is to just do whatever. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> sick, though. Yeah. He's sick with it. He's sick with it. Yeah. Uh... But also, I just realized now with you saying, like, he doesn't even know Donnie because he tells him to shut the fuck up every time he talks. Mm-hmm. But that made me realize that, like, 90% of the time when he tells Donnie to shut up, it's Donnie asking Walter something about himself. Yeah. Like, Donnie wants to get to know Walter. Donnie's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> but Walter's not. No. Uh, And I like how at the end when Sam Elliott's kind of like wrapping up the story, mm -hmm. he's like talking about how good the story was and he looks forward to like what the dude and Walter do next. Now he hopes they get to the bowling finals. Yeah. (laughs) But then he's like, kind of wish Donnie didn't die though. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I think that Sam Elliott part is like, there's so many things in this movie that are just like unexpected. Like that doesn't happen very trips. much. Like, we watched Game Night last night. Yeah. It's not a lot of unexpected things that happen. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, that's just like a solid like, movie. If I was like, big budget, well, mid-budget at, like, 
comedy movie in the 2010s. You'd be like, oh, there's probably going to be like some car chase. Because there's one in fucking sure. Stuber. There's one oh, in... Oh, yeah. Like, Game Night hits some, like... It hits, like... Comedy yeah. cliche, mo- like, beats. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think it, it I think bad. it's still above most other yeah. comedies. But, like, this movie hits a lot of... <laughs> not classic comedy it's beats. like... Pretty much every comedy after 2010 was, like... It can be a comedy, but it has to kind of also be an action movie. Yeah. Which is, like, fine. And, like, th- even last year with uh, The Lost City, mm-hmm. where that's, like, kind of an action movie at the same time as being a comedy. And 21 Jump Street, even, like, yeah. super bad. Like, yeah. there's action in that. Yeah. Yeah. Date Night, because don't they, like, do some shit the night before? Oh, yeah. It's, like, it, even it the low like so many comedies are... now are just, like, let's introduce crime. Yeah. Like, the the comedy is, like, a fish-out-of-water story of unexpected person having to deal with a new introduced life of crime. Yeah. Like, that's when most comedies were in the 2010s. And I think this one does it well, because... Yeah. It's not like the dude is, like... He hasn't done anything, really. Like, he's not doing anything, kind of, throughout well, most of the movie. Because it's, it's not... Because most of those like crime situations and comedies are like they make a mistake they get roped up with a bad crowd and then like the story is them digging a deeper hole while trying to fix it but like they usually have some like elaborate plan Mm -hmm. there's usually like a heist or something yeah meanwhile in this movie like truly the dude just wants a rug yeah, he wanted no, he wanted to get reimbursed for the dry cleaning for his rug. Yeah. And then he took one and then they stole it. Yeah. So like it's literally just him wanting everything to just stop. Yeah. <laughs> like he's like I just don't want to be a part of this anymore. I literally just want like 20 bucks. Yeah. Like that's all he's after. It's like how cuz he he there's a guy who keeps following him around in a Volkswagen Beetle. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he, like, confronts him. And the guy's like, dude, I really want to give you props. You're, like, playing all sides. <laughs> You're, like, getting everybody to offer you money. Yeah. The dude's like, nah, I'm just trying to get out of this. Because, like, the reason he's playing all sides and everyone's offering to give him money is because every time someone's like, Hey, I can help you out if you do this for me. He's like, mm. hey, if it'll get me out of this shit, yeah. sure. <laughs> so he's just like, it's not that he's playing all sides. It's just that he doesn't. He's just he trying to care. find a side that will let him out. Yeah. Yeah. And none of them will. No. They're all using him. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Even to have a baby. Yeah. I mean, what if. That's such a wild thing. Imagine you just made love to a woman and then she starts like. Doing yoga on the fucking bed. Yeah. Telling you she's going to conceive. What a wild character that is. When that was up, I was, like, debating whether that was, like, really problematic. And I think it is a little bit. But I think because... Uh, she's told, She tells him he's not going to be involved. I still think it's unethical to not tell him beforehand. But, like, for a movie, I think it's okay. Because she's like, oh, I don't want you to be around. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, she doesn't like want it, any money or anything. Yeah, it just, like, works Basically out a sperm with the characters. But, like, I still think it's not okay to not tell someone beforehand. Well, 
I didn't do that with you, so. What? The movie cost $15 million to make. That's pretty good. Back in 98, so you're good. You can calculate inflation pretty well. One, two, three. I think three. Okay, interesting. And it made $46 million, five and a half in its opening weekend. So it didn't do super great, but it did pretty well. Let me do the math on that one. Four, five, six. I think six. You think six what? You heard me. Okay. Uh, production took four months, 11 weeks. The Let me bowling... do the inflation on the months. That's not... I'm joking. That's not... That, that, that's how look, you kill a joke. Look, here's the thing, brother. Yep. Everyone here's knows you can't do math. Give me a math equation right now. I'll do it in a, a second. 100 times 242. 100 times 242? 24,000. Oh, I don't fucking know. Or 2,000... You already got it wrong. Wait, did you say 242? You already got it wrong. So then it's... 24,200. 242. Maybe. You did times 100, so I just add two zeros. Maybe. All right. Also, I'm going to edit it so that it sounds like I did that faster than I did. That's not The bowling scenes took three weeks. I love the shots of the bowling balls going down the lanes. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. This movie's so well shot Mm -hmm. because they have, like, it's kind of like this is rude. But it's like real directors. Like these are real like artist <laughs> yeah. directors. Yeah. Um, They're artistic directors doing like a silly comedy. Like bowling, you could argue, is one of the like. Actually, there's some like cool ways you could shoot bowling. But like. Well, they showed them all during this movie. Yeah. But like give give bowling to artistic directors like the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. They're going to do some goofy shit. They're going to put the camera in the ball. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck they did that, but... Well, they probably didn't actually have a ball. They just probably put a camera, like, on a larger rolling thing. Yeah. But it still looked like it was in a bowling ball. It looked looked like it was in the ball, brother. Uh, There was a spinoff movie called The Jesus Rolls about John Turturro's character. Oh, really? The... (laughs) Jesus? Sex offender... Yeah. Guy? What do you think? Like, what do I think of him? Like, are you going to watch that one? No. Probably not. Do you like that character? I like the character, but like... I, do you like how sexual he was? Yeah. I don't really remember any of his lines. There was one... He was like, you fuck with the Jesus? Uh, fucking Shabbos bullshit. Oh, he said something about like how he was like going to shoot them in the head or something. Yeah, he said he was going to, like, shove a gun up their ass and shoot him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, their next movie ended up being Where Art Thou, Brother? Mm. Brother, Where Art Thou? There you oh, go. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. This is why I should look at them when I'm trying to say it. Because if I don't look at it... Well, like, when you write something down, you're not meant to look at it. You're supposed to remember writing it down. No. I'm joking. Wow, movie, movie, <laughs> oh. the, the Coen brothers, they don't make a lot of movies anymore. No. The last one, one of them made was Tragedy Macbeth. Now, <laughs> what is this bit you're doing? Your bit you're doing is that you're quiet and sad. I'm crying. Oh, well, you're not. 
Brother, it's an audio podcast. I don't need to do the tears. Do the tears for me. He hit me. We're going to fight after this, okay. man. Okay. I'm then Walter this is going to be our dude. longest podcast so that we don't do that. You better watch out, brother. I'll be watching out, brother. My name's Sam Elliott. The Ford F-150 with the highest torque in its class. The brand new trailer bed can carry up to 500 tons for all of your backpacking needs. Backpacking needs? (laughs) Man, I don't know. (laughs) I I don't know shit about trucks. I was just saying things. I feel like if you're backpacking, you're not driving a Ford. No. (laughs) Uh, Also, can you imagine being like, I'm looking for a pickup truck, but uh, as long as it's got enough of a bed to carry my backpack. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man. Anyway. Um, So they don't really make movies like the Coen brothers make anymore. And I think that's sort of influencing why they don't make very many movies anymore. Because this is their seventh highest grossing movie. movie. I think they've made like 20-something movies. Um, and this, like 45 million is the seventh highest grossing. 46 million is the seventh highest grossing. They've got like four that made over a hundred million and only true grit, I think made over 200 million. Okay. So like these movies don't do very well at the box office. They get critical reception, but that was sort of okay in the nineties because then you make a lot of money off like vhs and dvd and and like rental shit blockbuster but now that doesn't happen because as we kind of talked about last episode the movie industry has cannibalized itself yeah into like thinking that streaming is a good idea as we talked about last episode for a while too yeah (laughs) yeah uh well yeah I, i think just movies like this a lot of like big studio execs would look at and be like kids are gonna get bored yeah, and, and that's like, not okay. really I know it's true. Not four kids, but like, well, it's just like no one's gonna go see it in the movie theater. Sure, because number one, they're probably not gonna market it well. Yeah, and number two, I don't know. It's not gonna be the Coens making it. Truly, the only thing that like may like helps movies succeed in the theater now are if they're part of a massive franchise that's already successful mm-hmm. or word of mouth. Yeah. And that is like, ra- that's rarely mm. enough. Um, which sucks. The last movie they made was Buster Scruggs, which came out on Netflix. Haven't and the last theatrical movie they made was Hail Caesar. Oh, yeah. Which I liked. Have you seen that? I have not. I, I, rem- I remember when it was coming out, seeing the trailers and being like, this is a stacked cast. They I got gotta Han go see Solo this. in it. They what? Han Solo's in it. Oh, Alden the real Ehrenreich. one. Yeah, yeah. The real well, one. I remember when they announced uh, Alden Ehrenreich as young Han Solo. I was like, "What's he been in?" And I like looked him up, and I watched a scene from that. Mm-hmm. And I forget what his line is, mm-hmm. uh, but he has a line that he like repeats over and over again. Oh, is it where he's shooting the scene with like the French lady or something? Yeah, yeah. I don't but, like, what the line I just is. remember watching it, being like, "I don't know the context, but this is pretty funny." It's a good movie. Yeah. But it was like kind of panned because it's a little vignette but I think it's like, it's I also it's heard good. it was a little bit like Hollywood circle jerk story. 
where it was like but I like you could take it that fine. way but it's really not like it's about yeah. communists kidnapping someone oh. in like the 60s or in the 40s and like i don't know it's a it's a pretty good movie yeah. i like it uh but they haven't made a theatrical movie since as a pair Joel made Tragedy of Macbeth, which I think kind of came out, but like didn't really. And then got some Oscar buzz. And Ethan's making a documentary about Jerry Lee Lewis for, I think, Apple Music or something. Okay. So it's kind of depressing. Like, I get they're getting old. They're like... I mean, honestly, they're pro- they're kind of at the point where it's like, okay, we've made a lot of like iconic movies. We've made... Like, won been Oscars successful on almost all of them. We've won Oscars. Like, they can kind of just, like, do whatever they want now. They're kind of at the Steven Spielberg... I know they're not on Steven Spielberg level, probably. Artistically, I think they're close. Okay. But Spielberg's just, like, got those, like, blockbusters. But he, like, Jurassic Park I feel like Spielberg is, like, one of the directors. Yeah. Um, I think they are, too, though. Okay. But I mean, like... When, like when mom, you go to like sell anyone on the street and go like your mom knows Steven Spielberg yeah that's what I and she might like. know Scorsese she's probably heard of the Coen brothers but like anyway but um yeah I feel like they're kind of at the Spielberg I I think I just mean point in their career where it's uh, like you can do what if you want to make more movies you can you've kind of earned mm-hmm. that like yeah right or ability but like also you don't really have to if you don't want to you've kind of left your mark I feel like it's a little harder for them though because they don't make that much money. It's probably their, a bit harder for them their to get a movie office. greenlit, yeah. Because Steven Spielberg, over his career, has made like ten billion dollars in yeah. the box office, and it's like three billion. I guess James Cameron's probably closer now, but like, yeah. But it was like three billion. Dude, the fact that James Cameron has three out of the top four highest-grossing movies of all time. Is ridiculous. I think he's gonna have three. Oh, I guess Endgame is up there. Well, yeah, I think yeah. it's. I think highest grossing movies all time is Avatar, Endgame, Titanic, Avatar. No, 2. Avatar two just passed Titanic. Oh, did it? Yeah, all to, like all time worldwide. Yeah, damn. Which is kind of surprising because I haven't heard anyone say anything about that movie, but I guess I mean, people are still going to see it. I've just heard peop- people say that it's like crazy to watch in theaters. Like, here's the thing. I watched it in theaters two times. Absolutely loved it. Had an absolute blast. Probably, like, not really going to watch it at home ever. No. Well, and this makes me think of... Like, I've been going to a lot of repertory screen... I think that's the right word. Where they just, like, screen an old movie. Like, I went to see Titanic. I went to see Jaws. Yeah. And when we were watching this, you were like, imagine watching this in the theater and being like, what the fuck's going to happen? Like, Yeah. Because it's so cool looking there's so much cool shit but you're just watching it on your tv I'm like tvs are good but it's not the same that's why like when people are like the theater's dying because people can just watch shit at home i'm like i love watching things in the theater <laughs> what you said i love watching <laughs> things I in the really, theater did i really <laughs> i didn't mean it i've been doing too much like jokey baby talk i'm saying it for i real. told you if you keep your eyes crossed they're gonna stay crossed that's true but like like, there's people online, like, like Red Letter Media. I mm-hmm. love Red Letter Media. But they all the time talk about how, like, they hate the theater. And I'm like, I love going to the theater. Mm-hmm. 
Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of gross and there's gross people around you. Yeah. But, like, something about going and just experiencing something for the first time in a room of people with, like, the dark ambience and the giant screen. Mm -hmm. Like, the surround sound. Yeah. I guess, like, the people saying, why go to the theater when you can watch at home are the rich fucks who have got home theaters. Even then, like, yeah. But it's that's the thing. It's still different. Yeah. I feel like when I go to the theater, it feels like an event. Not being able to pause it, I think, is the big thing. Because if you're at home and you're like, but can I be watching honest? a movie in a movie theater most, or in your home theater? Most of the time, I don't want like I don't want to pause the momentum of the movie. Mm-hmm. Now that being said, when I do watch at home, a lot of the time I pause. Yeah, because I want to say things, which is also another reason to watch in the theater. Because mm-hmm. then I can't pause. Yeah, <laughs> so I can't pause the movie to say something that doesn't matter to the people I'm watching with. I think the future of the movie theater is like a, a heavier mix of old stuff. Oh, because, like start screening older yeah. movies. That could be interesting. Because I think people would. Because that's like an experience that people can like, sort of expect, but like it's not just watching Dude. like. I'm I think so you're sick of something. going to a movie theater and watching a new movie and it being the exact same shit as the last movie. Yeah. And then if you go see like Boogie Nights in theaters, you can be like, fuck, like, this is going to be great. I get to watch Boogie Nights in movie theaters. It's like a different way to watch the thing you love. Yeah. Rather than like a way, and a different way to watch things that you don't like, like, maybe. Like, I would love to watch the original star wars movies yeah. in theater yeah not the special edition pieces of ass well that's probably what you'd get if you did i know it. i would yeah. well that's like the official version uh, apparently no. yeah baby but like i just mean like, like that not even the movies that i've seen though like if i saw that a movie was in the theater that was like a movie i'd wanted to see mm-hmm. that came out in like the 90s or the 2000s or even like the 80s yeah like and I hadn't seen it and want to see it, I'd be like, why not watch it in the theater? Yeah. Like, uh, that's what I did with Titanic. I was like, oh, they're screening Titanic? Yeah. I should just fucking go. Had you seen it before? I'd seen it when I was, like, really young. Okay. But I didn't hadn't watched it again, because it's, like, three hours long and, yeah. like, whatever. But I watched it in the theater, I was blown away. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And, like, I feel like, because nostalgia has been big for a while, mm-hmm. and I think it will continue to be, um... But I think studios are trying to achieve that in their by remaking stuff. movies yeah. when they really should just be sending those old movies to the theaters and not doing like, like maybe do like a remaster where you just like bump up the bump quality, up the quality and resolution, do some like picture yeah. editing, whatever. But like, don't like do... Some new weird like release, not a new like, cut or something. Yeah, yeah. Just like re-release the movie with like updated visuals. Yeah, just do it for like a week. Just yeah. do a week long run, week long run of like and promote it. Be like, if you haven't seen this movie, see it in theaters now. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I just feel like that's it. Ca- like it can't cost them very much to just throw old movies in the theater, can it? I see. Adam, I'm not really sure because there's a lot of independent. Smaller independent theaters that can do that, like the the Princess Cinemas in yeah. Waterloo, yeah, like they do that sometimes. Shout out Princess Cinemas, great theater. But like, I don't think it would cost that much because like Cineplex doesn't really do it. 
No. And like that's the major one. And that's the one that Cineplex that's... and Silver City are the two main ones in Canada. Silver City's owned by Cineplex. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's I did not know Landmark. That. That's the Oh, Landmark but like, cinemas, yeah. Cineplex is like 60% of the fucking theaters. They have an absolute monopoly on the whole thing. Oh, yeah. They had to sell theaters because they had such a monopoly. That's ridiculous. Yeah. What's um, what's, in, what's in the US? It's like Fandango. AM, Fandango, you buy tickets through, but it's AMC. Oh, AMC. Um, Regal. And then there's another one that's kind of like gone out of business, I think. And I do think a lot of, uh, like, I think the U.S. has a lot more independent, smaller theaters as well. than Canada. In the big cities. Like, it's kind of the same here where, like, if you live in Sydney, Ontario, there's, like, not a movie theater for miles. Yeah. But if you live in like Waterloo or Toronto or Quebec, then they yeah you're littered with <laughs> littered with things. Interesting. Sorry, I'm trying to move away from. I'm a bit gassy today. I'm trying to move away from the mic when I'm burping. So, what other Coen Brothers movies have you seen? Uh, is the Big Fish a Coen Brothers? No, movie? that's a Tim Burton movie. That's Tim Burton. Okay, I like that movie. Here, we should me, do that let me movie. Just, here, you. If you have something, I'm gonna look up. Coen Brothers I think the first Coen Brothers movie I saw was probably Fargo. My grandma showed that to us when we were much younger than we should have been. And there's a okay. part at the end. There's a lot of violence throughout, but there's a part at the end where they're putting a body through a wood chipper. And I think that's when my dad walked in and was like, what the fuck are you showing these kids? <laughs> so that's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh but I've, I've watched a f- handful of their They did ones. Bad Santa. They wrote the story for Bad Santa. They didn't write this script. But they okay. like, came up with the story. Jeez. Um, a Serious Man, I think we watched in high school. I was going to say, so far, I think this... I, I think, honestly, aside from The Big Lebowski, and I've seen like a lot of No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Um. But a serious man's the only one I think that I've I've seen. I've really wanted to see Inside Lewin Davis. Mm-hmm. I just haven't gotten around to it. It's on Amazon Prime. Could uh, you know? I think I like a serious man a lot. I wa- I, I don't really remember much about ago, it, and it's like pretty good. I just remember the scene of him standing on his roof and like looking over the fence at yeah. his neighbor, well, trying to see some titty. Well, because I just remember before watching it in high school. Like the teacher, our teacher like, being like, just a heads up, everybody. There is one scene where there is a woman with a naked top. <laughs> I don't want any comments. I don't want any weird jokes. It's just a movie. It's fine. And then the scene popped up, and hearing guys be like, "Oh, dude, look at the big boobies on squeeze." It's like, shut up. I'll beat you up. I was a bully in high school. Keep going. I wasn't a bully. I was bullied by this guy. Here's a quote. I love it when Walter says, Shomer fucking Shabbos. Yeah. I just love that, how angry he is. John Goodman plays the role so well. Well, Because I, I think that kind of relates a little bit to his Vietnam obsession, mm-hmm. where I think like he's so obsessed with freedom yeah. post-Vietnam that I think... Because it's like... The dude says, he's like, you converted to Judaism when you got married and you've been divorced for five years. Yeah. And he's like, what, so I just stop being Jewish when I get divorced? It's like, <laughs> no, you don't. But, like, 
maybe I'm misreading it, but it seems pretty clear to me that, like, he's mostly caring about, like, his day of rest because he cares about his religious freedoms. Like, he care like... I think it also gives him a bit of purpose okay. in his life, oh, whereas, yeah, like, that's now he has too. no purpose except for bowling. Yeah. Like, even all the action movie shit that he's trying to do is, like... He's trying to find. This is what purpose, I know how yeah. to do. I should have some I, purpose. I did genuinely think that before they did like the bag exchange mm-hmm. in the car on the bridge, where I was like, "This just seems like he doesn't think he has anything going for him, and he sees an opportunity for his life to be like an action movie, and yeah. that'll at least make his life exciting and have a like a purpose and a goal." Mm-hmm. So like. He's just jumping at it regardless of how unreasonable it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I kind of relate to that. Like, there have been moments in my life where I'm like... Like, I've had it where I've been in, like, a bank, and I'm like, I kind of hope the bank gets robbed right now. Jesus Christ. This is a weird thing to say. But, like, I need to finish this so that it's not okay. just leaving on that note. Um, but, like... You just want something exciting to happen. It's just this feeling of, like, man, if a guy came in and tried to rob the bank right now, that would give me a story... Maybe that would give me, like, a purpose. Maybe I'd play an important part in, like, resolving this. Not like I'd be the guy to jump at a <laughs> robber no. with a gun. But, like, I don't know. I've just had, the like, moments in my life where I'm, like, I'd be okay with my, like, being in a worse position if it gave me, like, a distinct direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's sort of like dealing with how boring life is generally yeah whereas the dude has sort of like figured out a way to get through that through his like not caring as much about it he's, whereas he's walter like hasn't figured out nothingness yeah whereas walter hasn't figured out how to get through that and take care of that and he doesn't really have the disposition to get through that either yeah we're like he needs some sort of competitor he needs a villain he needs someone to go after which is why he's so into the bowling because he's like i need to be competing against someone like someone i need a villain i need a villain in my life and And honestly that's probably also why he's so rude to donnie yeah because he's he's just like looking for he's just constantly looking for adversaries yeah he's a adversarial guy and the only guy he's not adversarial with is the dude yeah even though he's like like he's but never it's directly like he thinks he's like a mentor to the dude almost. Like he thinks he's in a position to teach the dude. Mm-hmm. He's the main character and dude's the side character where it's yeah. actually this is dude's story. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this is a completely different movie if they switch like <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Uh another quote I like is that's just like your opinion man (laughs) yeah how was that was that a good dude impression it was because here's the thing about the dude he he has so many lines and delivers them in this same way as the lines are structured themselves which is just like very like basic like it's like like an uncle at a family reunion doing an impression of a stoner. Yeah. But Jeff Bridges does it in a way where it just feels very natural. It doesn't feel like... Like going, 
that's just like your opinion, man. Like that just sounds like a joke, but he delivers it in such a way that he, I'm like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It is just his opinion. I I guess. And then he's just like, Jeff Bridges is so fucking good in this movie. Yeah. And this kind of changed his career where, like, this happens sometimes with actors where they'll, like, have a big role or a role where they're successful and then kind of try to keep doing that. Yeah. And Jeff Bridges kind of did that a little bit. Al Pacino did that with, like, Mob Heat movies. and Devil's Advocate and, like, Scent of a Woman where he's, like, big and he'll be like, oh, she's got a great ass. And he's, like, on the edge all the time. Yeah. De Niro kind of does that, where he's like, and maybe like that's sort of also just De Niro's disposition, but he's like very like, Ooh. yeah. Well, I think that just happens to a lot of actors in general, where like they get big off a certain role. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that they're gonna see opportunities for similar roles because people are gonna see them and be like, oh, I'd like that kind of character in my movie. Yeah, um, but it never pays off as well, really. Rarely. Like, there's some people who do, like, a specific character really well, but, like, it's great when they're able to break out of that. Mm -hmm. Like, this just made me go, like, think that Jeff Bridges should be in more comedic stuff. Yeah. And I think he's done, like, a couple other comedic things, but for the most part, not really. No. Not really. He isn't... Yeah. You don't know what you're doing, Tony! That's funny, man. That's the funny one. That's ten years after this. Yeah. What the hell? He's fucking bald. Favorite part of the movie. Let me look at my notes real quick. Because I don't have many notes for this, so I'm able to skim it. Uh... Oh, (laughs) I did like how in the beginning, the dude, like, opens the milk in the store to smell it. Yeah. Like, he thinks it's going to be expired. It could be. Um, I I just kind of Is that what you do? I don't. That's how you get your right milk? I mean, I did switch to cartons recently. I've been a bag milk elitist for a while. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know what happened, but moving in with Olivia, I just, like, stopped having so much milk. Probably good. Probably good. Um, but, like, because you buy a bag, it's got three bags in there. Mm-hmm. I used to go through that in, like, a week or less. Yeah. But, like, it got to the point where we were buying a new bag of bagged milk while that we still had two bags in the fridge because those two bags were expired now. And it's you just like, like to collect them. No, I just, I just like, well, you wanted to make cheese. Well, every dude, actually the last time I had to dump some milk, it was like kind of like cheddar problematic. It's problematic. Problematic for my drain, probably. Ayo. Um. Ayo. Yeah. Switch to carton milk, just because like I I can't drink that much milk in a week. I'll die at this point in my life. I'll probably die anyway. But um. Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry. What so, the fuck? Uh, oh yeah. Something I wrote down was that like, despite the dude being a complete like slacker kind of bum. Yeah. He shows up when people ask him to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, there's multiple moments in the movie where someone will just be like, hey, can you come to this thing for me? And he'll just be like, yeah, man, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. 
But like he doesn't really seem committed. He's just like, yeah, whatever, I'll be there. He's just kind of like going with what happens. Yeah, but then like he still makes an effort to go out to that thing. Mm-hmm. Like he goes to his landlord's play. Yeah, which is just like is <laughs> his play is really good. He like whenever Julianne Moore's character is like, hey, I want you to do this thing. Like he does yeah. it. Um. The only thing he doesn't do in the whole movie, like, immediately when someone asks is, uh, like, hand off the money. But, like, that that whole thing is, like, completely yeah. messed up. Uh, but, like... <laughs> if, and, you, if you ask the dude to be somewhere, he will be there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Sorry. What I was thinking was what Julianne Moore tells him to go to the doctor and he doesn't. Because he's oh, like, yeah. my face is fine. Um... But, like, anytime somebody asks him to do something, he just shows up. Like, when Philip Seymour Hoffman calls him, is like, hey, we kind of need you to come by. Mm-hmm. Like, the next scene is him going. Yeah. Like, he... Like, as someone who, for, like, a long period of time, has kind of, like, lived at my residence and not had much reason to leave... Like, it can be hard to go out for any reason. Mm-hmm. But, like, he's just going out. Like, he has no problem with that. It's not like he's wasting away in his house. Like, he's no, going yeah. out and doing things pretty frequently. Well, because you can't, like, really do that at this point in time. Yeah. Because there's, like, there's just so much shit to do in your house now. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you can kind of just, like, spend your entire life there. Yeah. But at this point, it's like, you gotta go out and you gotta do something if you want to do something. Or else you're drinking on your carpet, drinking white Russians on your carpet. Well, like, the only thing he really does at home is, like, smoke weed in the bathtub. Yeah. Which is, like, him, like, finally giving himself a moment by himself and then he gets his house ransacked. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It, I just find, I just like the character trait that like yeah he's kind of a bit of a lazy bum but like he's also pretty reliable yeah um i don't know i just like that character trait um uh oh yeah <laughs> i just wrote down multiple times that the dude just needs to drop walter as a friend <laughs> like go oh, no contact but like <laughs> but how are you gonna make friends at that age i don't know, know. yeah he's that's on a- the bowling team yeah. You're going to have to find a new bowling team. Be friends with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I don't know. Ooh, he seems like a bad hang. <laughs> yeah. He he just seems like super high strung. Yeah. I, I love his character. He's so good. Um. Oh, you know what? Because you asked me favorite moment and I've been skimming my notes trying to look for one. And I finally found one. When the... <laughs> when Walter and the dude are in mr lebowski's home after they've like figured everything out Mm -hmm. and and then walter's like you know what this dude fucking walks (laughs) yeah (laughs) and he lifts him out of the chair and you literally you're like (laughs) and he's like oh (laughs) and he drops him on the floor like i like that i like that just because i i was honestly expecting him to like start walking because up until that point like the movie kind of spent the whole time being like, yeah, Walter's crazy batshit does stupid stuff. But, like, he's kind of been right about everything. Like, he was right that yeah. the girl kidnapped herself. Mm-hmm. She, he was right that it wasn't her toe that was shipped. That they like, didn't actually have money in the briefcase. Yeah, that they didn't actually have money. Like, he 
he was right about almost everything. So mm-hmm. that kind of like brought me to the point where I was like, honestly, he's probably right. This guy probably walks. <laughs> and then, and, and then, then he, he just like it. broke this man's <laughs> spine. Yeah. It's, a, good. it's such a good, it's, the line readings in this movie are incredible. Oh yeah. Man. I think like 90, I, I don't know why I have to say percentages. No, yeah, well, a that's lot of kind this of movie's like success and how good it is is just due to how great the actors are in their roles. Yeah. Um, obviously, the script is good, mm-hmm. but I don't know. They just like read the lines so well. Yeah, it's it's great. This is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? How about we get to Adam Driver? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think he could be an interesting dude. The dude, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he'd be interesting. I don't, th- I don't think I'd recast Jeff Bridges. I guess I think I, I was like going to say Jesus, John Turturro's character. Interesting, racially ambiguous. That's a check mark for well, Adam like Driver. change the character's name, but I mean just like creepy, overly sexual, weird, purple velvet tracksuit. Like, what about Jesus' friend? Who he's just like hanging out with. Does he even have a line? I don't know. I, don't I think forget what his name is, too. Oh, he's just like. He's like a chubby, bald, blonde guy. Yeah. I don't know. No. no. <laughs> I think I'd probably say I could John play that Turturro's one. character. Just because I could see mm-hmm. Adam Driver in a purple velvet tracksuit, like walking humping, with his pelvis first, humping a fucking bowling ball yeah. and licking a bowling ball. Yeah. Ugh. You I like that know. he licks the bowling ball? No, eh. but like I like it, but I don't like it. You know, I do. I I also think Adam Driver could do an interesting Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, but he uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's just too good to choose that. Yeah, maybe a nihilist, one of the nihilists. <laughs> sure, he's in like black spandex, but I think Jesus is a good one to cast him in. Yeah, yeah. I I I just kind of because you mentioned the nihilists, I did kind of like how. They were like, "We're going uh, give us the million dollars, uh, or we're go- we're going to kill you." Mm-hmm. And they're just like, "We know you don't have the million, and it never like we never had the million. It was a trick the whole time. Mm-hmm. And we know you don't have the girlfriend. It wasn't her toe. Yeah, like we know we know you're just trying to get money from us, but like the money doesn't exist. I'm sorry. Yeah, and how they're kind of like, uh, shit. And they're like talking <laughs> to each other, and they're like." Uh, Give uh, us all the money in your wallets. Yeah, give us the money <laughs> in your wallets. We want. We thought we were gonna get money, <laughs> and they pulled together like forty dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like that. I also do love when they're interrogating the kid, and Walter brings out the homework in the Ziploc bag. <laughs> Is this your homework? It's like in a fucking briefcase. He pulls it out. He's like, "Is this your homework?" Larry, is this your homework? Is yeah. this your homework? Larry, Larry, is this your homework? And the dude's like, man, it's his homework. We, we know, know it's, it's his homework. And he's like, shut up, dude. Is this your homework? Larry, is this your homework? <laughs> Tell me if this is your homework. And he beats the shit out of the car. <laughs> uh, it's just ridiculous. Did you think that the kid actually had the million for a bit? I think I did until they got there. Yeah. I think as soon as as soon as Walter went out to destroy the car, You're like, I was like, it's his. not his car, and I don't yeah. think the kid has the money. But, like, oh, then very... why was the why was the, his homework in the car? Because he just, like, fucked around in the car. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it probably didn't get stolen by people who were trying to get the money. It yeah. probably just got stolen. Yeah. 
or like Toad or whatever the fuck. Cause Honestly, I, maybe he did take the money, but there was no money. Yeah. So maybe he took it and just like got a bunch of dirty underwear. And what do you think about his dad being hooked up to like a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> For a brief moment, I was like, maybe he did take the money and the money wasn't spent on the car. The money was spent on this weird Star Trek <laughs> like incubation tank yeah. apparatus. Uh, maybe. Clearly not. Hey, we'll never know. I just thought that was like such... An unimportant plot point. <laughs> and, and now Walter's like, just wanted to say both of us are per, on a personal level are really big fans. <laughs> we we really like the early episodes. The early episodes were really important. I like how he had to make yeah, that distinction. Like, does he still write? And the wife's like, no. <laughs> no, he doesn't, unfortunately. He can barely breathe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was silly. But yeah, so what a I, silly movie. Yeah. Do we want to get to ranking? What a already? goofy little silly what movie. What a goofy little silly, silly, silly movie. Goofy movie. Yeah, let's rank it. Let's do a little ranking. All right. So I'm thinking pretty high on this one, honestly. I want to I want to follow your lead. Okay. My gut instinct. This is also like the first kind of, oh, I guess weird. But I was going to say this is like the first all-out comedy that we have, where it's like meant to be a comedy. But I guess weird. I guess aw- that awkward moment, technically. Yeah, but it's like a rom com yeah, thing. But it's still a comedy, I guess. Yeah, but it's not very funny. That's true. Ten Things I Hate About You, yeah. Um, I was honestly going to say number four above West Side Story. Damn. Give me the pitch. My pitch is, I just think this movie's very unique. I think it's like, I, I don't feel like it's a chore to watch this movie because it's very laid back. Um... But, like, it's not boring. It's laid back, but not boring. Yeah. And I think that's a very unique trait for a movie to have. Mm-hmm. I think the characters are great and very funny. Uh, and, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's. I, I just think there's very little wrong with the movie. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of fun watching it. I agree with you. I think it's very well made. It's a great movie. It's funny pretty much every time. Yeah. Uh, and the characters are just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So where would you rank it? I think four. Four is good. Would you say that? Would you have said that before I said my ranking, or would you do? It I honestly didn't even think of where I would put this movie because I did. I like truly didn't know how it was gonna go with you. Yeah, like because I feel like there was a chance where this just like where I thought it was boring, isn't the right vibe, or like, maybe whatever. I, thought, I loved it though. Yeah, I'm glad you did. So I think four is good between Shiva Baby and West Side Story 2021. Yeah, which I'm kind of surprised that West Side Story's hanging around up top there. But it is a very well-made movie. Well, I think it's more... Can I be honest? What? I think it's mostly hanging out up there because, like, I've had moments where there's movies I want to put above West Side Story, but not above the stuff below it. Um, Yeah. Because, like, you're very high on West Side Story, Mm -hmm. and I think it's, like, okay. So Mm -hmm. it's high up, but not at the very top. Yeah. Um, But that kind of, like... And you're like very high on turning red. Well, like I'd say, I'd say about time is the one where I'm like much higher on than you. So it's like in the middle. Like I'd probably move about time up to five, but like mm-hmm. you'd probably put it down to like thirteen. Well, no, okay. no. Um. Anyway, we well, can talk about that in our reshuffle. Well, we can talk about that later. But like, yeah, I think Big Lebowski at number four kind of makes sense. I really like it a lot. Um. 
So that means Big Lebowski, number four, yeah. below Shiva Baby, above West Side Story, 2021. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, You've kind of been been killing it with the with your month thus far. Oh, yeah. You've got the new number three, four, and six. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm going to get number one. Honestly, I'd like to debate even putting Big Lebowski above Shiva Baby, but Shiva Baby's like so short and succinct that I think I'm fine leaving it. So what are your thoughts on that? I also have number 10. Don't forget about number 10. Sure. Okay. You also have number uh, f- 15. Yeah, but that was... I have number 16. Thanks so. for listening to the podcast. Wait, wait. Did you, what were your thoughts on Shiva Baby, the Big Lebowski swap? Or are you oh, are you that? proposing that? I'm just like seeing, like trying to we test the waters. Well, no, I just want to know your thoughts. I think it's fine. I think those are like in the same tier. But like, which one do you like better? I honestly, it depends on the day. Like it, it truly, either way, it does not matter to me. Because honestly, I think I'd like to put okay. the Big Lebowski above ship. Damn! So Dad got number three. That was like a last minute change. Oh, I apologize, Papa, but Papa's got number three. One, three, six, seven. Dude, you've Nine. got the same ones. They're like both of your movies are just swapping. No, spots. wait. Here's the ones. Here's the ones Papa's got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, thirteen, fifteen. That's pretty good. That's pretty. I good. was realizing. I was like, why are there so many of my fucking movies? But we've just. Just some four in a row of my movies. Some four in a row of your movies. Anyway, thank you for uh, listening. Follow the podcast. Give it a little rating. Give it a little review if you like. But only if it's a good review. I don't need people <laughs> yeah. giving me one stars. Yeah, if you don't like the podcast. <laughs> you have, probably haven't listened this far. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, um, but yeah, Big Lebowski, new number three under the Philosopher's Stone above Shiva, baby. little last second switch there, but... You know, we're all about fluidity here. And that being said. So next week is Police Story, another one of Calder's picks, the last pick of the month. And uh, that's a Jackie Chan film. So a kind of completely different vibe that we've done before, but should be an exciting one. We'll talk to you guys next week. We both love you. Bye-bye. Bye.